0: Christmas, just like the ones I used to know, where the treetops
1: glisten and the children listen, out to hear sleigh bells in the snow, the snow. Said I'm dreaming of. A
0: Glimpse of Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us for this hour, Darsh Meshru, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Getting a little Christmas cheer for this hour.
2: So that's Michael Buble, Bubble, and Shania Twain. I don't know how they put those two together. Actually sounds pretty good. He, he sounds like he's... Overly trying to be lounge lizardy with his voice to me. I, she know,
0: sounds a little bit overly giggly. Uh, giggly. It's kind of sassy.
2: Yeah. Anyway, but it's pretty good actually. I like the harmonies on it.
0: Kind yeah. of Marilyn Monroe-ish.
1: All right. right I'm the both Canadian? I think.
2: I know she is. I think he might be too. Uh, yeah, I think he is. All right. Well, that does.
0: Oh, Tom, you did. Tom is at the controls <laughs> of the radio. I, the music. I hit, I
2: hit my phone, and it was a Franklin Templeton ad. Okay.
0: Yeah, Tom. Right. Tom is at the controls <laughs> that of that. That was not me.
2: I don't know why I did that.
0: Uh, All right.
2: So, how crypto's collapse may have done the economy a favor. I think a lot of people don't understand what cryptocurrency is. It started with a thing called Bitcoin. It was a reaction to the government's bailout of the banking system in 08 and 09. And it was pretty clear that money didn't really mean anything at that point. And so the idea behind Bitcoin, and and still nobody really knows who the guy is that founded it. He's been very uh, secretive about his identity. I think it was basically an altruistic thing that he did. It wasn't designed to make him a lot of money. Uh, Although if he retained some of the Bitcoin of his own, he's he's, despite the pullbacks recently, where's it in the $16,000 range? Uh,
1: It's a little over $17,000.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, his cost would have been zero if he's got four or 500 coins, he's done well. But the, the point is that they said, we're going to create a currency. And it was just an idea at first that, will never be able to be debased once I think it's 35 million coins. Is, is that the uh, 21 million? Once 21 million coins have been issued, there will be no more. And it was this idea that it would be a currency that could not be debased. So what happened instead, it became this speculative thing. It was, the idea was one of genius. But what's happened, like so many ideas, is that uh, you had these copycat coins that started coming out. All kinds of people were issuing coins. Um, at one point, there were two or 3,000 of them, something oh, like
1: that. There's probably more, tens of thousands, maybe.
2: Yeah, and all of them kind of were tagging on to Bitcoin. But some of them did not say, we will only issue a limited amount because they went up anyway. And and so, and, and many of them were based on a profit motive. Somebody just said, I'll keep a bunch of them and I'll make money. And so it got, the idea got debased, but the original idea of Bitcoin was, I think, a good one. And you wonder how things got so complicated crypto that means any kind of bitcoin like currency and then they turned it into these nfts which i'm not even sure what they were the word means non-fungible token so it is a uh, it's like a piece of real estate that's only in the virtual world very similar to what uh, uh zuckerberg is trying to do with meta uh create a virtual world of course the idea behind meta would be the big thing would be if you could put nfts into it and create these meta houses or what have you and have people paying all this money for art the the idea was that it could be multiple times the value of the basic facebook platform it would be otherworldly it would be so big And it's, it's, it's an ambitious idea, not saying I agree with it, but so crypto got very big, people got on the bandwagon and then it fell into the, since it was unregulated, that meant the people that wanted to be regulated the least would become, would come to the forefront in it, which is what's happened with FTX. You had people doing things. They didn't even know what they were doing. Consequently, you've had these problems. And people, because so many young people nowadays have such an elementary to non existent understanding of how basic banking and money works, they threw money in it thinking it was something real. It wasn't. Um, whether they will learn at all from this, I don't know, but I doubt they will because people typically. Most people don't learn from their mistakes. That's why they keep making them over and over again. And, uh, you know, I I think it's a great idea, but it's like anything like this, it falls into the hands of the wrong people because they're the ones who take control, just like our political system, if you want to go there. And I don't know. It's just interesting.
1: Yeah, so – you know, like you said, the, the I think there is some merit to the idea, and the idea goes back, uh, you know, uh, even to the 50s where uh, cryptographers tried to come up with, you know, ways where uh, transactions would take place and they would be validated through cryptography, uh, which means that, you know, there would be some sort of a problem, mathematical problem that would have to be solved in order to validate a transaction.
2: Uh, and It's like on our computer now with with things it's it's double verification you know you have to yeah they have to ask you to do several things to make sure you're not a bot or uh something like that multiple steps of verifying who it is and figuring out something very basic that only a human could be able to do Mm -hmm. you know to make sure it is a human being
1: right so uh whether this results in some kind of, you know, a completely new uh, paradigm like the internet did, you know, uh, in the last two decades, that remains to be seen. Uh, But there will be certain applications that are here to stay. And I think this article mentions that ultimately, it's not these companies that mine the cryptocurrency or come up with these cryptocurrencies. It's other industries, just like with the internet. It wasn't these dot-com companies that benefited the most. It was you know, manufacturing companies and various other industries. So, um, what uh, is interesting about this article, though, is that despite the cryptocurrency uh, ecosystem, that the total value of all cryptocurrencies out there at their peak was over three trillion dollars, and over seventy percent of that has uh, basically uh collapsed, there's been a 70% drawdown. So over $2 trillion have been lost. Some of them have gone away. Others have just pulled back, right? Yeah. Yes. So the the ones that, the big ones, Bitcoin, Ethereum, they've just pulled back uh, significantly, but they haven't dropped 90%, 95%. There are some others which have completely gone away. Uh, you know, that was- Did Dogecoin go away? It's still there. It's still traded, but it's, it's lost over it's, 90. It's still non-existent. It's still a fake thing. Can I get my money back on that? Uh, I mean, is there a chance?
2: Uh, just kidding. <laughs> I don't have any
1: Dogecoin. Well, and, and the fundamental difference between a Dogecoin and a Bitcoin is that Bitcoin is limited and Dogecoin is unlimited. You can create yeah. as many Dogecoins.
2: Just like dogs, you know, <laughs> <laughs> puppies.
1: Um. Well, you can at least pet dogs. I don't know what what you can do with yeah. Dogecoin. Uh, so um, you know the the ramifications of what has happened, you would think that if two trillion dollars of assets just disappeared, then we would see you know ramifications in the financial system, but we are not seeing that right. And the reason for that is that uh, all these crypto companies, were just transacting with each other. They weren't transacting with the mainstream, you know, financial system, banking system. And, you know, the mainstream financial system was pretty much so far, as far as we know, insulated from what's happened.
3: Well, that's <clears throat> that was fascinating in, in this, was talking about when you say they're transacting with each other. So these these different, uh, I guess it could be exchanges, companies, they were lending in a particular crypto, um, and then, or they, they had interests in each other. You think of it like the, the mortgage bonds, um, you know, during the financial crisis, you had bets on the bets on the bets on the bets. And you had this, uh, ecosystem of crypto firms that were lending and owning pieces of others. Well, when one collapsed that sent the ramifications, It, it just rippled through that relatively closed loop of businesses. Um, but like you said, the financial services, or the the core banking industry, as of now, we haven't seen anything come about on that. And that's, that was his point here. If this, if the crypto craze had gone on for another two or three years, you know, the pressure that, some of these larger, uh, firms were under, they would have started lending or somehow being more involved in that. And that would have translated into the real economy. Um, so you, you've had individuals that have had significant losses and you know, even some institutional investors that have had significant losses, but it, it's not the leverage and uh, it's not rippling through the whole economy.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, so that that could be, uh, you know, a good thing, unlike the financial crisis where these, uh, you know, initially it was thought that it was just contained to the subprime uh, loans, but it had, uh, you know, ripple effects on the rest of the economy. So far, it doesn't seem like that's the case because the counterparties to whether it be an FTX or Galaxy or Celsius, Voyager, uh, sorry, not Galaxy, Voyager, uh, they, they were those, all... Are those
2: trading firms similar yes. to FTX? Yes. Um, What's yeah. the one that Matt Damon promoted
1: on a, a TV ad? I saw him. I uh, wonder if it was FTX. Uh, I know that was a football player who was promoting well, It was FTX. Tom Brady. Oh, yeah, it was Tom Not Brady. Not just yeah. a football It <laughs> <Yeah>. was Tom <laughs> Flipping Brady. Right. And
0: I think they're coming after him. Is that still a thing? Because when it first yeah. collapsed, they were talking about uh, holding him liable and the NFL and yeah. all these different entities that had right. given that credibility
1: right and i think that there was a stadium that's named after ftx uh.
0: not anymore okay the minute it collapsed they jerked <laughs> i'm not kidding they, did? they, they the, changed yeah. it? where well, was it i think he had defaulted the the whatever the fellow's name is he had defaulted on payments okay. also naming the, rights payments right but the minute that there was any shade on it huh. that name came right off the side of the building
3: interesting But you look to um, some of the hedge funds, um, really really hedge funds, private equity funds, things like that, that lent money to some of these. Um, There there was a a Jason Zweig article talking about that. And you look at the lack of due diligence that some of these funds did. it was yeah, it sequoia was sequoia put 200 million
2: dollars into it and yeah the the guy was playing a video game while he was making the presentation <laughs> and they thought that they th- was they G- thought it was great yeah yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. That, that they they use that as their basis for loaning the money this guy's yeah. brilliant yeah um so it, anytime you have a mania or craze like what was going on with crypto um you're gonna have just the the big money sloshing around. There's pressure to, you know, fear of missing out FOMO, all that stuff takes hold and people get real stupid real quick and, and they take part in this stuff.
1: Right. And, and it turns out that the so-called uh, smart money, the institutional investors are uh, prone to the same uh, psychological, you know, biases Absolutely. And such as Absolutely. The individual yeah. investor. They do it all the time.
2: Yeah.
0: I had a fellow at the, at our house, um, helping me repair something. And he said, well, what do you all do? I said, we're in the investment business. The first thing out of his mouth wasn't what stocks you like, what companies or any, it was, well, you know, about crypto. Oh yeah. I like, well, um, not good lately. Not that when we, we don't deal in any kind of cryptocurrency anyway.
2: Yeah, we, Well, I mean, we, both of my sons were putting money into crypto, small amounts, you know, because they just thought it was so cool. And, you know, they, they're like all their friends, you know. They they hear stuff, and they think this is something none of the older people know about. It's
0: And it's going up, and it's going up, and this buddy bought a Tesla with what he made mm-hmm. off of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it...
3: Uh, well, I mean, I, I know it really started during COVID Uh, a lot of, I was talking to a lot of people and they're like, what do you, what do you think about crypto and you know, the different coins? Um, And it it was, it was just this speculative mania. Um, The, the technology is amazing. I mean, the blockchain, the, that is amazing and that will be useful uh, in the future. But the, the coins that are associated with it, that was just pure speculation on the different things. Um, Right. And, like you said, like the internet or different technology, the PC, whatever it may be, it's going to be how companies use that technology. They're going right. to be the beneficiaries. I
2: think that. blockchain could be used in voting. Boom. Absolutely. No, you know, nobody can screw with it. There's no chance that yeah. there's any sort of uh patent, And here's the way you could do it. Go to the places that where there's suspicion that they might be screwing with the votes and say, let's set it up on blockchain and see how much resistance there is. <laughs> no, no, we're we're good with the way we've got it. It only takes us 14 days to get all the votes counted this way. But, you know, there, there might be a way to completely sniff out fraud on anything to say we've got this system that completely authenticates everything that's done. You do it that day, it's one person doing it, and that's it. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God, we can't have that.
0: Well, you know, the funniest thing about that statement is Arizona was one of the places where it really was slow. Arizona and the Phoenix area is also an area that is a hotbed for technology. So why wouldn't they feed off of I'm gonna tell you, that group of people? I've been
2: out there. There are some interesting things there. And there's a whole lot of really goofy people there, some of whom I wouldn't trust with my Bitcoin, with my Dogecoin. <laughs> I don't own any, but I act like I do.
0: The, the Dogecoin that you don't own. I own dogs, that
2: so that sort of counts. wonder how much Dogecoin I could get for each dog I have. You you
0: wouldn't you wouldn't
2: let go of any no, of those dogs mean, for any amount. No, I wouldn't trade them. I, it's just like by virtue of being a pet owner, I should get some free. Well, one. you could make NFTs. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. You could make NFTs. Priceless with, and valueless.
0: Yeah, you could make NFTs at it with those dogs somehow. Make a some kind of cartoon image of.
2: There you go. Non fungible tokens.
0: Yeah, and I I met a fella out in Arizona, ironically that had Oprah Winfrey's ear. This was about this time last year. And initially, she was very skeptical about the whole NFT thing, but had beckoned him to talk to her about it last fall. So a lot of the big celebrities finally, finally took the, the bait as well, which I guess if you got it to lose, it doesn't make quite as much of an impact on your life. But some of these people had a whole lot of money they couldn't afford to lose and they got wiped out and nobody's, and they had this fella, this, uh, what, what is the fella's name? The Sam, Sam They had him on some kind of, um, think tank show, uh, or platform or conference. And it was right after all of this had collapsed. And you think he'd be hiding out somewhere. Well, he wasn't. Can you turn that down? Got to get your screen lit up for me so we can turn a little music on, Tom.
3: Yeah, I mean, a lot of these people that were in it, you know, they said I we're crypto investors. And it's like, no, you're a crypto speculator. I mean, there there are some people that are looking at it as a long-term investment, but most of these people were just speculators. It's, it's a bet is all it was, really.
0: Well, and hopefully, like I said, a lot of them had it to lose because... Some of
2: them Didn't. didn't. I knew people are putting a lot in. Tom,
0: your music. You gotta hit the play button. There we go. Woohoo! We made it before we went out. You've been <laughs> listening to the Tom Dupree show with the Darsh Meshroo and Mike Johnson, our host Tom Dupree. We'll be back with another hour. Stay tuned.
1: Uh, our family do most of the things that other families do. We sing the same songs. Do you? I even have a go at White Christmas. You do, huh? And this one. This is my son's favourite. Do you know this one? Oh, I do indeed. It's a lovely thing. To see, rumpa, pum Our finest gifts we bring, rumpa, 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 pum pum rumpa. Ah, pum it all be. pum it be. Ah, from from may we'll it be. it
2: our finest See the gifts day we bring of, of glory
1: Save the, the day And live the peace Live in, Rumble peace. Rumble in peace.
0: Rumble Rumble. peace So peace Rumble. on When we come
1: Every child A child must be made to care, care enough for his man, to give all the love that he can. I pray my wish.
0: Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us for this segment of Darsh Meshru, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Getting into the holiday spirit.
2: This is David Bowie and Bing Crosby. It was on a TV special years ago. They're both gone now. But uh, it's really amazing. It's it's a kind of a combination of the little drummer boy and peace on earth. Anyway. What do you guys want to talk about?
3: I'd never heard that before.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really yeah,
3: good. Yeah. Um, we're getting close to the end of the year. Um, w- one thing just to be aware of, uh, if you own mutual funds, open end mutual funds, um, we've mentioned this briefly before a few times in the past, but it's always good to, as a reminder. Um, mutual funds at the end of the year, they can – pay out capital gains in down years when the market is down, especially be careful. um, If you're going to get paid out capital gains at the end of the year, it's it's just insult to injury is what it is. You You get a tax
2: bill on top of having your investment be down. Exactly. And you didn't have any control over it because they sold some stuff in the fund that they took a gain on. Now, if they sold losers – And netted it out which they should do you won't get a capital gains bill but you could well and that's that's the
3: concern this year where you've had a market that's been going up as much as it has for as long as it has um they have a lot of embedded gains a lot of embedded gains and if you're even if you just invested in the last six months those gains are with the fund. So you, right. you you're still gonna that's get part paid of the out. NAV.
2: Exactly. Is the stuff they sold and took that's net asset value. Stuff they sold and took a gain on. They gotta pay it out at the end of the year. Yep. So you're gonna get part of your share price back, but what's gonna happen, let's say it was at twenty five bucks a share, they pay you three dollars in capital gains, which you got to pay tax on, and now the shares are at twenty two. Because they just took some of what was in the NAV and paid it back to you in the form of a quote capital gains distribution. Boom. Yep, your shares just got downgraded to twenty-two. You want me to burp again? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, the the point is the point. I can't control my bodily functions at all times. There are times I don't have any control over anything. You know, uh, it's crazy. I want to say one other thing. If you own bond funds, you're down. Across the board, anybody that owns bond funds, bond mutual funds, you're down. Call us. We have some ideas that could actually be very good for you. And you just should give us a call. I mean, bottom line, Bond funds. Call Dupree Financial Group, two three three zero four hundred area code 859, on Monday morning. Or call right now. It's Saturday. You'll get an answering machine. Leave a message. We'll call you back. Or send me an email, tdupree at deprefinancial.com.
0: Or go to the website, dupreefinancial.com. And schedule a time to come. So we see have us a remarkable on the website
2: amount of ways for you to get in touch with us. If you own bond funds, call us. Yeah. Now they did uh,
3: this most recent study. <clears throat> they did. They found out that there are 350 funds that are going to pay out more than 10 percent of their net asset value this wow. year. And more than 60, bunch. more than 60 will pay out more than 20%. Uh, and and these same funds, many of them have double-digit losses for 2022. So Insult to freaking injury. Yeah. I mean, it's just horrible. And so this this is only applicable for taxable accounts, obviously. That's, yeah. If it, it's inside of an IRA, it's not going to hurt yeah. you. But it, it, it shows the importance. This is part of the reason, one of the many reasons uh, that we invest like we do. Um, our clients have their own cost basis in the securities that they own. You got it.
2: That's important. Yep, that you own your own stocks. You're not part of a commingled fund, and you're not buying in on a gain that somebody else has already made. Right. Right. So it's more control, more efficiency.
3: Really? Yeah, the good guy, the oh control guy. <laughs>
2: uh, you mean. I mean, I'm going to get a couple of games
1: distribution. Are you yeah. done yet? <laughs> I'm giving it to the cat. Ah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
3: uh.
0: If you listen to the Tom Dupree show at all, you will hear about that dog video. <laughs> Quite frequently, right, guys? Well,
3: I, I think that started. I mean, was when it's, it's when it first came out. It was like 2010. I it's remember been a long time. I remember playing it when we were at the studio. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I
3: think we did. Yeah, it,
0: it never gets old for Tom. Yeah.
3: Um. So
0: more control, more, more efficiency. More, thank you, thank
2: you. Back on track. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> more
3: control, more efficiency, and um, uh,
2: less internal fees. Right. Um, and, and more visibility. More visibility. You see what you've got. I mean, I don't think we talk enough about our platform. We talk about the economy, but I don't think we talk enough about our platform. You know, we uh, typically hold most of our clients' accounts at Fidelity. Fidelity is a huge company. They've got lots of capital. So if you have an account with us, you will get a a statement from Fidelity. It says our name on it. But your account's being held at Fidelity. Somebody was saying, I remember one time a guy came in when we got started. He looked back. He said, where do you put the securities? (laughs) Back there in the closet. (laughs) We got a little vault back there. No, that's not true. (laughs) Um, They're held at at Fidelity, which is a – they've got a great platform, and we can hold them anywhere. We can hold securities at different firms. We don't have to just use them. We can use other firms. But the point is we're able – our clients can use the best technology available. out. You're not taking a step down in technology when you're using us versus, say – Merrill or Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, UBS, all these firms Baird, which is what Hilliard used to be, um, used to be Hilliard, uh, yeah, other way around. Oh no, actually, no, I okay. Go on, Baird. You're you're not with you know. We have as good of a statement and as and as good a capital behind holding your accounts. It's just that we act as the investment advisor on the account, but you're not taking uh, a haircut in terms of quality and technology of the account and capital, you know, to do business with us. Um, we also do something that almost nobody else does. We employ an outside uh, performance managing and fee calculating firm called advise on these are the the people that started advise on actually started the whole thing for Morningstar, which is up until recently has been known as kind of the gold standard in the investment monitoring and research business um so you've got the best technology that we're using to not only calculate the fees, but more importantly, or as importantly, uh, do the performance monitoring and tell you exactly how well and what we, tell them about what a, a performance report that we produce looks like. Yeah, I mean the the standard one that we run, and we can we can
3: run the report on any particular detail of a portfolio. I mean, we could run it on an analysis of the holdings. I mean, a million different things, but what we always run it on is starting value of whatever period ending value. And then in between you have
2: money in and out.
3: money in, money out, dividends, interest gains, losses, all that's calculated management fees, all that. So top of it shows what you started with, bottom of it shows what you ended with, and then a time-weighted return, which is basically, it it excludes, it's a more complicated calculation, and it excludes cash in, cash out. It tells you what the investments
2: actually return. So you know how well your investment has done. There's no guessing. I mean, I've I've had people uh, say, They didn't, you know, they were just looking at their account. They said, well, you know, I brought $300,000 in there and it's only worth 260. And then you start going back and looking at the history of their account. They withdrew 75,000 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Which means if you had the starting value, you should be down to 225. But the fact that it's at 260, you've actually made money on the account. You've drawn money out but the corpus of what state invested in there has gone from, you know, well, it's a, adjusted now, uh, up to two hundred and sixty thousand would yeah. have been two hundred twenty five on the yeah. original money.
3: So it may have been a eighteen percent return. Yeah, it could like have been. That. And yeah. over
2: depending upon what period time of time. Yeah. So you can like if if I have a hundred thousand dollars account for you. And then you come in and add 10,000 to it, and now it's at 110. I'm not going to run a report at the end (laughs) of the quarter saying, Hey, look, I made you 10%. Yeah. You know, because that was your money, not the money I made you. We don't pull stuff like that. I've heard of firms that have, believe it or not. (laughs) Can you imagine? It's like, this is nuts. You know, but not everybody does the detailed. Performance monitoring that we do. Now, the reason that I insisted on that is when I was with a brokerage firm before, they had these managed accounts, and they had an outside monitoring service that did a very good job. and And I don't think the clients fully appreciated what they were getting. Mm -hmm. They did because it wasn't explained well. Because most stockbrokers, you know, are not money manager types. They don't understand a lot of this stuff. They just know, you know, you put the money in, here's the report, and there's <laughs> your account, and I got my fees. Yeah. And th- and that's the most important thing. So I think it's something that we do that is very – it's not completely unique, but most people don't really describe it.
3: Well, it, I think I think that's the key. What What's unique is that is a key piece of discussion when we sit down with the client. It's not something that we gloss over. Here, here's Here's how your account's done. You know. So how are the kids? You know. That is not. I mean, that's yeah. that's something we go into detail in with the client um,
2: regularly. And so and, that's and
3: that's what's unique.
2: Another thing, this thing you were saying about mutual funds and getting it. Not everybody understands that. Now, some funds out there or some services are actually showing you, if you buy a fund, how much the embedded gain is in the fund that's in there. It's a very important number. Yes. Especially if you're investing in a taxable account.
3: Yep. And you can get on the fund company's website. And it'll uh, show that. And generally, it'll show that there. But the the fund company is not going to make it. They're not going to ring the alarm bells to let you know yeah, about it. Don't I mean, buy it, this fund because it's... Yeah, it's 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 buyer beware kind of thing. Right. Um, and so that's... Be careful out there. You have uh, to. Know what you own. Know what the person's incentive is. Um, had a conversation with somebody today. And um, be very careful of incentives. Um, to be broad about it. This person was given very bad advice, rose-colored glasses kind of advice, uh, in order f- f- uh, this recommendation was going to benefit uh, something a comm- more of a commission-based thing. Um, be very, very careful of who you're listening to, who you're taking advice from, uh, because not everybody out there is looking in your best interest. Right. Be very careful. Um, so... As you're getting close to the end of the year, be careful of the mutual funds. Um, and f- next year, you know, it, we're starting. We're starting kind of planning for next year, if you will. Get get in your mind as you're looking at savings. You know, if you're in working years, you're you're saving. You know, put Roth IRAs, 401ks, for whatever retirement accounts. Um, they're increasing the limits next year. Um, so you want to have that kind of that number in your mind, kind of ready to go as you're starting next year, get it rolling, um, stay on track, keep saving, keep investing. Uh, but
2: it just kind of the end of the year tightening of the belt. Sure. You will. Well, you have to have a plan. Now I know one thing about when it comes to investing and, and you know, we've all seen this willy nilly investing just throwing money at stuff is tough to do. It's sometimes easy to do in a, in a bull market. And, you know, we do tend to have more bulls than bears. So sometimes it's going to work for you. Yeah. The biggest problem a lot of people have is not when to buy. It's when to sell. When, when do you
1: get out of something? You've seen that a Darsh, right? Uh, Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, I'd say selling is more, uh, you know, difficult uh, than buying because, um, you know, it's easy to have a process for when to buy. Um, You know, if you're doing, depending on, you know, your system or the process that you follow, you buy things which you think will do well over time. And then once something does well, when do you sell? So there are different uh, reasons to sell something. You know, if you buy an individual security, if something fundamental has changed uh, in the company that you bought, then that could be a reason. Or it could just be the fact that it's extremely overvalued. We saw that uh, last year with a lot of tech stocks that were trading at many, multiple times their earnings or sales ratios. Um, and if... Something becomes a very big part of your portfolio. you know say you start off at five percent in a certain stock and then ten years later that one stock is sixty percent of your portfolio, then you may want to consider you know uh, trimming some and diversifying it further. So th- there is an entire science to you know when to sell something right.
0: And I will insert that Mike is a certified financial planner. And would be happy to look at your portfolio and your whole kind of screenshot of your or umbrella view of your financial situation um, and, and give you some ideas. This time of the year, it's a, it's a good time to, you're with family and you're planning for next year. And it's a good time to take a look at your portfolio and see where you've been and where you want to go next year. Or if you just have questions about what's going on, call us 859-233-0400. And um, Tom, we're not quite ready for the music yet. This can you tell? I'm just a little edgy with him <laughs> at the at the music controls. Give us a wrap for this hour. Somebody, anybody.
3: Like a little literal rap.
0: You can start clapping. <laughs> Tom can start doing his, the bacon kind.
3: Boy, we digress quick there, didn't you? Well, it's when Tom's over here working on
0: the music um, that we we have music yet. Not yet. Okay. Well,
2: so yeah, so you, you said you wanted a rap. Okay.
0: Oh my! Lord. Come on, let's go out strong.
2: End of the year.
3: Call us. Best time. Yeah. You know, get things rolling. Um, just fresh in your mind and
2: right. got your music.
3: Plan.
0: Oh my lord. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree show with the Darsh Meshroom. Mike Johnson, our certified financial planner. Tom Dupree, our big personality like over here and music uh jockey. We appreciate Said you wanted to
2: rap. <laughs> Turn it up.
1: That's too much. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's not really rap. He he does start rapping. That's and-
0: that's a sixty-six year old man's rap, is what that is.
1: <laughs>
0: we appreciate you listening. Go to our website, right, deprefinancial.com. Come see us. Stay tuned for the next hour.
3: Track, it's your eardrum like a slug to your chest
1: Like a best for your you day in sex We in that sunshine state where the bomb ass hip be The state where you never find the